Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to another episode of Listen Closely. I am your host, Bobby, and we are going to continue with the holiday season episodes. And this one is sure to be pretty tasty, actually. As a matter of fact, one of the things I'm going to be talking about is sitting right in front of me and like staring at me. And if you couldn't guess by the title that I picked out, yes, we are talking fruitcakes. And not just any fruitcake, but the Collins Street Bakery Deluxe Fruitcake. Now, there is a running joke about fruitcakes that, you know, it's, and I want to say it was Johnny Carson once said that, you know, fruitcakes is that gift that, like, you give it to somebody and then they kind of sit it around in their closet or in, like, the back of their cabinet for a long time. And then next year around, they just re-gift it. And I've always heard that they were basically, like, just a brick. Like, they were not edible. They were hard. They were horrible. So I've actually never had a fruitcake. Now, John has, and he absolutely loves fruitcakes. So after this episode airs, yes, I will be having my first fruitcake. But, you know, if I'm going to have any fruitcake, of course it's going to be Collins Street Bakeries because they've been baking in Corsicana, Texas since eight. 1996. So if anybody should know anything about fruitcakes, it should probably be them. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably like, okay, so what does fruitcake have to do with your podcast? Well, I do cover true crimes and most of the time people think true crimes is just like murder stories and things like that. But actually true crime literally is just that. A crime that occurred that is true. And this kind of falls along those lines as well as, you know, again, it's holiday season and fruitcakes are notorious for coinciding with the Christmas holiday. So I figured why not cover this? Now, Collins Street Bakery, like I said, originated in 1896 in Corsicana, Texas. They called it Collins Street Bakery because, well, that's where it started, was on a street called Collins Street, so it makes sense. They do more than just the fruitcake. They are a full-time bakery and cafe, and, you know, they they do make these fruitcakes, but they also make, you know, different cookies and things like that. So if you happen to go to Corsicana, Texas, yes, go to the Collins Street Bakery and try out their delicious things. I, for one, do plan on eventually going. Who knows? Maybe we'll take a trip before the year's up to Corsicana. It's just a little bit south of Dallas. So, I mean, it's not too far away, and I feel like it's worth the drive to get, like, a fresh, fresh one. So, the ones that come in the stores, obviously, they've been prepackaged, ready to go. I mean, they're still probably delicious. Again, I don't know, because I've never had one, but, you know, I just feel like getting it fresh from the source is probably going to be your best bet. So, who knows? Maybe me and John will one day uh, go see them. Now, this year is actually a very special year for Collins Street Bakery because it marks the 125th year that they have been in operation. So, first off, congratulations to them because they have seen a lot. And speaking of seeing a lot, so obviously this is a booming industry for them. I mean, they are the kings and queens of fruitcake. I mean, every, again, holiday season, while there is that joke that fruitcakes are like, ew and hard as a brick and stuff like that somebody's got to be buying them because it is a million dollar business and they are actually wanted all around the world but they actually started to kind of run into some money trouble and they couldn't figure out what exactly was happening the company started to you know do internal investigations they wanted to figure out what exactly was happening so you know obviously like any business you're going to start looking at your cost first like what does it cost to make the product and is it the rising costs that 
could be the problem. Well, they started looking to it. No, it wasn't the cost. So they're like, okay, well, maybe, you know, it's inflation. You know, maybe we need to start, you know, laying off some employees, trying to figure out anything we can do to save the money and figure out where exactly this money is going. Because for a million dollar business to be starting to see some negative and going in the red, they were trying to figure out anything they could. Obviously, I mean, this is a family business and it the whole town basically like has to deal with these fruitcakes. So, you know, they didn't want to fire anybody. That is like the absolute last resort that they wanted to do is fire anybody. But they need to figure out what exactly is happening. So they were thinking, okay, well, maybe it's the rising bills. You know, they were just trying to figure out anything that they could of why this money was missing. And they went to the guy who should know these answers, and his name is Sandy Jenkins. Now, Sandy Jenkins served as the corporate controller for the bakery from February 1998 to June 21st, 2013. And they were like, hey, Sandy, you know, can you figure out what exactly is happening? And he's like, yeah, I'll look into it. You know, like I deal with the books and stuff like I will figure out what's happening. He came back and he was like, I don't I don't know what's happening. Like everything should be going good. I don't understand myself. Where's the money? And that was the biggest question of where is the money? And the person that actually had the answer to that just actually started recently with the company. She was an accounting clerk who reported right underneath Sandy Jenkins And, you know, she started to do some digging and she started to, you know, look at the numbers because, again, she wanted to figure out, hey, what is happening with this company that I just started in? Because obviously you don't want to see the company you just started in go bankrupt or anything like that. Like, you don't want to see that. So she started to look at the numbers and she noticed something kind of suspicious. Well, she took her suspicions to higher ups and that just so happens to be the bakery's controller which is sandy and she's like hey you know i found something kind of funny and it doesn't really add up like the books aren't matching our statements you know like something's up and he said yeah i know what this is i'll take care of it and then left well she kind of started to get even more suspicious because you know It was a check for a lot of money, and it was with, I believe, Chase Bank, and the company had nothing to do with this bank. So, like, as a company, they didn't have anything to do with this bank. So, she's like, okay, wait, that doesn't really answer anything. Like, you would think Sandy, who's been trying to figure this out and is a part of this family atmosphere, would, you know, want to do more. So she started to dig around just a little bit more because, you know, when that when that curiosity hits you, you just got to keep going. So like if there's one thing that's not adding up, maybe there's some more. So she starts to dig around even more and then it just seems like more and more start to pop up. So like first it was one, then it was two, then it was five checks, then it was ten checks. So like, you know, the more she dug the more she found and it actually ended up being almost 17 million dollars just written off in these checks and nobody knew about it she went to the ceo of collins street bakery bob mcnutt and she went to him and she was like hey i've kind of stumbled upon 17 million dollars of money that is gone and the person responsible is sandy jenkins and bob along with the rest of the employees because again they were like family they were kind of just in disbelief like they didn't want to believe it was somebody stealing from the company and so you know they were like okay well 
what do we do? So Bob actually took it pretty hard. Like he was ready to quit because he felt like it was all his fault that he let this man steal. And, you know, he did layoffs. He did all these things and hurt people. Like he took it very personally that it was all his fault. And in fact, it wasn't. It was never his fault. And so he was like, you know, okay, well, Let's gather up all these books and all this information that we already have and let's press charges. So what they decided to do was they decided to call the police and said, hey, this is what's happening. They decided to go ahead and let go of Sandy. So they let him come in for the last time. They brought him into the CEO office, shut the door and was like, hey, we know you've been taking money and you're done here. Like this is your last day. We're not going to cause a scene or anything. We're just going to have these police bring you out and take you to your vehicle. And then you're not allowed in the building anymore. And from what I understand, Sandy basically went without, you know, a hitch. He didn't fight. He didn't say anything from what I understand. And he just left. And of course, the entire bakery just could not believe that it was Sandy. But like I said, they turned all their evidence in to the police. Well, defrauding a company. And the government is kind of a big deal. So not only was the Corsicana police involved, but the FBI was involved. And of course, they had to build their evidence. They had to gather as much as they could. Now, luckily for them, the brand new accountant kind of got the ball rolling, kind of got it started. But of course, they did an audit. They searched and saw that, yes, there was $17 million gone. And it all falls back to Sandy Jenkins. So they got their uh, warrants together. They gathered up everything they could from the household of Sandy Jenkins. Sandy Jenkins was nowhere to be found. Like, he seemed like he skipped town. And they got the stuff that they needed, and they pressed charges. Or they were, you know, in the process of pressing charges. So, like, embezzlement is a huge thing. You don't play with money. We all know the government is serious about their money. So, if you start to fraud them of that, they're coming after you with, like, full guns blazing. And that's exactly what they did. So, again, while they're gathering their evidence, Sandy's nowhere to be found. The bakery is still, like, kind of in this whirlwind of, oh, my gosh, we still can't believe this is happening. So, they're caught in between. Bob feels absolutely horrible and is ready to sell the company because he is just so distraught that all this has happened and they finally gather up all their evidence that they need the fbi and uh it just so happens that you know they go to the house and sandy happens to be there like you know you would think he would have skipped town by now but no he's he's home and they're like okay well since you're home you're under arrest for embezzlement for fraud for all these things that you've done and he just goes with them quietly again he understands and what's surprising is he absolutely 100% accepts the fact that he did wrong like he never once denied it he said yes I did it I couldn't stop you know like he just seemed like he was just once he started he couldn't stop and he was buying Neiman Marcus stuff and like high quality Louis Vuitton, like he was buying everything to show he had money. And that is what ultimately, and a lot of people were like, well, I work for the same company. I don't understand how you're making money. But, you know, it was his flashiness that kind of should have been a trigger to some that, you know, something was up, but they never, they never pieced it together because 
Sandy was the, you know, more laid back, quiet, but kind of jokes around a little bit. You know, it just seems like the everyday kind of guy. Like, you wouldn't suspect him. But again, the police and the FBI take him in. They start to question him. They start to try and figure out, you know, what exactly happened. And again, he is fully cooperative. He's like, yes, I did it. I don't know why I did it. Once I started, I couldn't stop. And it also kind of seemed like his wife was involved. So they started to look into his wife. Well, his wife, for some reason, had a ledger of all the items that they bought. Like the name of the item and the price of the item and the date of the item of when they purchased it. All listed out for the police. So it was kind of easy to see that yeah, she was involved. I mean, she was keeping this itemized list. She couldn't not be involved. She couldn't say, oh, well, I didn't know. So they charged her as well. Now, she only got probation, which I don't know how that works. Because it seemed like she knew, like she was more involved than what she let on to believe. Again, an itemized list of items, like date that it was bought, the item that was bought, and the price of it. But yet, you don't know anything. And she, if you, you know, listen to some of the people, she seemed a lot more like the pants of the marriage. You know what I'm saying? So, for her to be absolutely clueless, well, she said that, yes, I knew it was bad money, but I didn't know where it was coming from. I didn't ask. So, that was what she, you know, played at. So, she got probation for five years and was ordered to complete 100 hours of community service and to submit a formal apology in writing to the bakery. So she got off super easy. Now, Sandy, on the other hand, was sentenced to serve a total of 120 months in federal prison. 10 years for embezzlement, which means if you do the math again, he was sentenced in about, I believe it was 2015, so he would be getting close to getting out in 2025. And if you caught my verbiage, you heard he was going to get out in 2025. So what happened? Well, in 2019, Sandy Jenkins actually passed away. He was sentenced to these 10 years. And during the sentencing, he wrote at least one letter to Bob, the CEO of Collins Street Bakery, and apologized and basically said I'm I still don't know what I why I did what I did and I'm sorry that it hurt you I'm sorry it hurt everybody at the bakery both financially and emotionally and he also called him at least once and said the same thing like I'm sorry that I did this I don't know what happened I don't know what got over me and why it continued because I could have stopped at any time but yet I didn't so, you know, it seemed like he had remorse for what he did. Again, the entire time this happened, he never once said, no, I didn't do it. Or, you know, try to play any other card. He was fully cooperative, said, yes, I did it. I know I did it. I don't know why I did it, but I did do it. So it did seem like he was feeling remorse. But he passed away in 2019 and it's sad and if you watch the documentary that they have and it's actually on discovery plus it's called fruitcake fraud it's it just kind of like it kind of hurts because even bob you know you see him crying and upset because you know he didn't want him to lose his life nobody wanted him to lose his life yeah he did wrong and yes 
he did something very dumb and very bad, but yet they still felt sorry for him. They felt like they weren't, I mean, they were mad and they were upset at the time and probably still are and they still have questions, but they really didn't hold like grudges against him. They didn't hold anything hostile towards him. Like he was just a man who got caught and he knows he got caught and he held himself in full responsibility. But I do recommend everybody going to see that documentary it is called fruitcake fraud and it is on discovery plus you can get that free you know seven day trial if you want to but i do recommend you listen to that it gives you way more details than i did because i feel like i should leave some out just so you can go watch that episode but yeah it is called fruitcake fraud on discovery plus it has so much more details than what i gave because again i just feel like they tell a way better story obviously they have the actual ceo on there they have well the key people involved in this case they had interviewed So I think it's really awesome that they did this interview and they stayed humble throughout this. They're like, yeah, you know, something bad happened, but we were able to keep going. You know, like when we seemed down and out of luck and we were trying to figure out what to do next, they they kept going. Anyways, that's all for today. Go watch that documentary. No, I'm not getting paid to say that. I'm just saying it's a really good documentary. And as always, if you can do one thing, always remember to listen closely.